Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, let that be the heart cry of every person in this room. And if it's not their heart cry, I pray that you'll make it their heart cry, that you'll show them their desperate need, the importance, the priority of Christ being magnified. And those watching online, Lord, help us to understand that is the heart of Christianity. That is the heart of serving you, is that, Lord Jesus, you will be magnified and exalted in our lives, that we won't be hypocrites, that we won't be lost, but, Lord, that we want you to be magnified. It's, It's you. So, Lord, help us to capture that this morning in our study. Be magnified in our lives. For we love you and we praise you. Give us that heart this morning, every single one of us, in person and online. In your awesome and powerful name I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. You're going to hear from God this morning. You know that, right? Because we're studying the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for, for correction, for training, so that the people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's what we're going to do this morning. It's, I can't wait to dive into it. This, this book has been around for thousands of years, feeding believers for millennia on the truth of who God is. And here we are in 2023, studying God's word. So please turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're, we're going to study this morning verses uh, 21 through 35. And uh, the title of my message this morning is forgiveness. Maybe you're here this morning and you've struggled to forgive someone. Or maybe you're here this morning and you don't quite understand what forgiveness is my hope and prayer is by the close of the service, you'll understand what forgiveness is, and I will have given you some tools to help you be a forgiving person. Because when we forgive, we magnify Jesus. You know that? When, when you, we, did you sing that song, that last song? I hope everybody sang that song. And if you sang that song, that Christ be magnified, my, my belief is that you want Christ to be magnified, so we're going to learn how to magnify Christ this morning in our uh, forgiving other people. So uh, I want to read to you an opening analogy. You guys ever heard of Corrie Ten Boom? Many people have. I would like to read to you about her life. The year was 1940, and the Nazis were marching across Europe in an attempt to conquer Europe. In May of 1940, the, the Nazis invaded the Netherlands, Their mission was to exterminate the Jews by arresting and sending them to concentration camps. In the Netherlands, there were two Christian women, Corrie ten Boom and her sister Betsy, who witnessed the German soldiers capturing and taking away Jews in their city. Compelled by their Christian faith, they assisted the Jews in evading German capture by hiding them in a secret compartment in their home. They did this for many years until one day the German soldiers discovered what they were doing and captured both Corey and Betsy. For their crime of harboring Jews, they were taken, they were both taken away and placed in the Ravensbrück concentration camp located 90 kilometers north of Berlin, Germany. 
The conditions were extreme and inhumane. Between 1940 and 1945, over 130,000 female prisoners passed through Ravensbrück concentration camp. Thousands were killed in gas chambers and used for me medical experimentation. According to Encyclopedia Britannica, about 50,000 perished from disease and starvation. During the last year of the camp's existence, it was estimated that 80 females died each day from disease. Five months before the Jewish people were liberated, Betsy, Corrie ten Boom's sister, died on December 16, 1944. And then later, in May of 1945, coalition forces defeated the Nazis and freed the captives. In the year after the war, Corrie ten Boom went back to Germany to share the gospel on a crusade. One night, after she shared in a church, a man came up to her after service. <clears throat> she recognized him as he approached her. He was one of the German soldiers who forced her and her sister to endure. I don't know how I'm getting emotional. I, I read this all week. Um, I don't know why. Anyway, she recognized him as he approached her. He was one of the German soldiers who forced her and her sister to endure the horrors of Ravenbook concentration camp. It was at his hands they experienced cruel treatment and that her sister Betsy died. As he approached her, emotions flooded her heart and mind. Overwhelmed in emotion, she did not know what to say. He said to her in that meeting, I have become a Christian and what I did to you and your sister was horrible. Will you please forgive me? Corey had just finished sharing about forgiveness, and now she was face-to-face -face with the man that was responsible for her sister's death. In the moment, she wrestled with what seemed like an eternity, and then the Lord, by his Spirit, gave her the strength, and she thrusted her hand into his outstretched hands and gave him his request, forgiveness, for what, had, for what he had done. In the moment, with tears rolling down both of their cheeks, she experienced God's overwhelming love as the once evil German soldier became her new brother in Christ, she now loved. That, my friends, is forgiveness. When you can forgive the person who brutally murdered your sister. You know, that, that's, that's forgiveness. That is the heart of Christianity, that we forgive other people. How important is forgiveness for the Christian? Well, friends, we're going to learn in our study this morning it's very important. It's very important. I'm going to show you how important it is. Some people say, well, what is forgiveness? Some people think, you know, some people, it's a little gray. What does what the word forgiveness mean? Does that just mean I just, I just let it go? Does that just mean I just, just let it go? How do you forgive? Let's start off with a good definition of the word forgiveness. Forgiveness is this. It's releasing someone from the guilt of what they did wrong against you. It is giving someone a clean slate. And it's very, very important that as born-again Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you name the name of Christ, I'm not saying it'll be easy, but you need to learn the art of forgiveness because that is one of the characteristics of a true follower of Christ is that we forgive and so we're looking at a parable this morning. This is the parable of the unforgiving servant. 
And again, my, the, my um, thrust and my expository teaching as we go verse by verse is to teach you on what forgiveness is, the importance of forgiveness, and how to forgive. And ask that big question, what if I don't forgive someone, will I be forgiven? That's the question that Jesus addresses in the Gospels. We'll get there. We'll talk about it when we get there. So let's, let's dive into this, looking at the subject of forgiveness in our prayers. God, teach us in this room and online how to forgive. Matthew chapter 18, pick it up at verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, what you need to understand, according to Jewish rabbinical teaching in the day, in the first century, the Jewish rabbis taught that, uh, that you were to forgive someone up to three times. After three times, you didn't have to forgive them. So Peter here is getting super spiritual, okay? He's a follower of Jesus, and he's like, he's going to double the number. He's going he's gonna, he's gonna to double the number, and he says, Lord, up to seven times, I'm going to double it and plus one. Uh, but look at what Jesus says in verse 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up, up to 70 times seven. Now, so the number, Jewish rabbinical teaching taught you forgive a person up to three times. Uh, Peter suggests double that number because he's being super spiritual. You know how Peter's life was. It's a roller coaster. He's up one day, he's down the next. Well, today he's slightly up, or at least he thinks he does. And Jesus says, he gives him this, this, this numerical value. He says, up to 70 times 7? Now, Jesus is not saying that you forgive someone up to 490 times, and then the 491st time you don't give them forgiveness. Okay, That's not the point. Jesus is saying here that forgiveness is not a matter of mathematics. How many times? Okay, 480, 481. You're getting close. 482, 483. No, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying it's the spirit of forgiveness. As Christians, we offer unlimited forgiveness in this life. That may seem kind of hard. That may seem hard. That may seem challenging. But it's what we are called to do, to be a forgiving people. And the key to understanding this forgiveness is understanding what Christ has done for us at the cross. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some math. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you some math here in a little bit and show you how many times that you and I have offended God. Because we have offended him a lot in this life, but yet he chooses to forgive us. Let's get into the illustration. So Jesus, at verse 23, you know, Jesus loves to teach in parables. Let's look at Jesus' illustrative parable starting at verse 23. He says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servants therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. Now, did you notice the common words that were used in that passage we just read? In verses 23 through 26, Jesus uses financial terms seven times. 
In verse 23, he uses the word settle accounts. In verse 24, he uses the word settle accounts and owed. Verse 25, he uses the phrase able to pay. In 25, he uses the word sold. And at the very end of verse 25, payments be made. And at the end of verse 26, um, he uses the phrase pay to all. So these are all financial terms. And the servant in this illustration, he has a debt to the king. He owes him how much? He owes him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent in the first century was the highest unit of currency in the Roman Greco culture. 10,000 talents in the first century is the equivalent today of $12 million. Okay? That's a lot of money. Okay? And the reason it's so high is that for the purpose of this illustration that Jesus has given us, the figure clearly represents, here it is, an unpayable amount. That's the point he's driving home here. An unpayable amount. By law, the debt has to be paid. Okay, the debt has to be paid. We see this in civil law today. If you break the law, what's going to happen? You're going to pay the fine, whether it's speeding or murder. You're going to have to pony up. You're going to have to pay the price for breaking the law. And here's the deal, guys, in the kingdom of God, the spiritual kingdom. You and I have a legal debt to God, okay? Our sin is a legal debt to God. In other words, you and I have broken God's law, and the fine has to be paid because God is good because God is just, because God is holy. The fine has to be paid. The only problem, though, in the kingdom of God is this. Uh, the, the fine is too high for us to pay. We, we, cannot, we don't have the means to pay it back. Just like this servant, $12 million. You know, nobody's going to give you $12 million today, okay, unless you're just rich and you know, whatever, but you, you want, you, it's a fine that, that cannot be paid. Every single human being, every single one of us in this room, you and I, we will one day stand before the king of heaven. You will stand before the king of heaven. You have an appointment. Hebrews chapter nine, uh, 9 verse 27 says, it's appointed once a man to die and then face judgment. And on that, on that day, Every single one of us will have to, as this, the words of the parable here, we will have to settle our account with God, okay? Every single human being will have their day in court, and they will have to settle their account. Look at verse 27. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt, so verse 27, the flow of the parable, the master was moved with compassion and he forgives the servant. Thankfully, how awesome is it that God is holy, God is righteous, God is the judge of the entire universe, but he's also a compassionate God. He's also a God that offers forgiveness. Psalms 145 verse 8 says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. So, you and I have a debt, we have a sin debt that has to be reconciled with God. But God 
offers us forgiveness, compassion, mercy, love, truth through the cross, through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the good news of the gospel, that you, that the world is rebels. We came into this world a rebel. We came into this world a sinner. We came into this world with God's judgment over and over us. But God, in his compassion and in his mercy and in his love, said, I'm going to make a way for them to be forgiven. And it is through the cross, through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are completely reconciled to the Father and forgiven. Now, to, I want to dig a little deeper here for a minute. To rightly understand and appreciate God's compassion, you and I need to understand how before Christ, how we offended God. We offended God by breaking his law. I got a little illustration. I want to show it to you. This is, and, and I, this, this first number is seven. It's just the number I chose out of the top of my head. I didn't get it from no website. I just estimated. And depending on how wretched you were in your life or how saintly you were, this, this number may vary. But let's just say, for example, the average person commits seven sins each day. The average human being commits an average number of seven sins each day. Times 365 days in a year, that means that likely, roundabout, roughly, we, we have committed around 2,555 sins committed by one person each year. Now, I did look this up. I forgot the website. There's a, there's a world population website out there, and it says the average life expectancy uh, on planet Earth is 73 years. So I said times 73. That comes up with 186,515 is the average number of sins committed by one person in a lifetime. That's 186,000 times, roughly, that the, uh, a person offends God by breaking his perfect law. That's what the Bible talks about when it says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all broken his law. We've all broken his commandments. We've all, in our rebel heart, disobeyed God. And understanding his truth, understanding his light, but yet we chose to rebel. It was, for, it was for that way for me for many, many years. I knew God's truth, but I resisted it, and I lived in rebellion. If God gave us what we deserve, we would be in hell. But God, in his compassion and in his grace, has completely forgiven you and I through the cross. That is the beauty of the gospel. That is the compassion and the forgiveness and the goodness and the grace that God has shown each and every one of us. That is the beauty of Christianity. That is the beauty of the gospel, that he's completely forgiven us. Let's look at a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you came to Christ, he took it all, all sin, and he put it under the blood, and he washed it away. You are a new creature in Christ, okay? 
The judgment that was coming to you for your sin was placed on Jesus. Jesus' perfect righteousness was given to you. That is how he's forgiven us. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation on you, brothers and sisters. The condemnation came down on Jesus. Okay? You, you are forgiven. You are walking in grace. You are walking. God didn't look down and say, well, you did this, and you got to pay the price for this for a season, or you got to do this. Or, you know, he didn't do that. He said you are freely forgiven at the cross. You're completely, the slate is washed white clean because of grace in the cross. Now, when you look at it that way, you look, I, th- I call that reality. I, you know, that number, 186,000, my number might be double based on where I was before I came to Jesus and the amount of rebellion. But, but through the cross, it's, it's, it's wiped clean. It's forgotten. It's under the blood. Jesus paid the price. Now, if you take to heart this truth that the Bible clearly presents that we are completely forgiven in Christ, you would think someone who has experienced such an amazing pardon for all their sin would be a forgiving person, right? That's what you would think. Let's continue, and in in, in let's pick it up in verse 28, thinking that this person, man, would be like, oh, man, God has forgiven me. I can forgive others. Look at verse 28. He says, but that servant... Talking about the servant that, got, that was forgiven. This is the servant that was forgiven. After the master forgave him, that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That hundred denarii in the first century, a, a, a couple hundred bucks. A couple hundred dollars compared to 12 million. Just, just a little bit of chump change. Uh, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. Jesus is like, he takes him by the throat. He says, you give me what, what you owe me. You know what this is called? This is called no mercy. This is, this is called no mercy for something that's so small and so minute. Verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So, here in this passage, the servant, despite experiencing the master's grace, he refuses to extend that grace to others, that grace and forgiveness. The analogy of this parable is really crystal clear. I'm sure you've picked it up by now. And that parable, that the crystal clear truth is God has forgiven you of all your sin, past, present, and future. Who are you? to not forgive others. Who are you to not forgive others? 
You know, um, we need to remember when it comes to this, the truth of being forgiving, we need to remember how God has forgiven us, okay? We need to remember how God has just wiped the slate clean. There weren't no lashes. There wasn't no punishment. Well, actually, there was a punishment. It was placed on Jesus. But there wasn't nothing on our part but to simply put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we were completely forgiven. This is a, a one verse. It can be kind of a little scary. Yikes. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, says, Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. When I read that, I was like, like, oh man. You know, like, what's, what, what is it? What's going on here? Is he saying that I, a person will not be forgiven if they don't forgive other people? That's a real struggle for a lot of people. And I can't help but to think that there might be somebody here or watching online that struggled with forgiveness. And that kind of strikes a little chord in their heart when they hear Jesus say that. Will I be forgiven if I do not forgive others? I want to give you a quote from John Piper from desiringgod.com.org. John Piper says this on Matthew 6, 15. And I'm just quote, quote from John Piper. If the forgiveness that we received at the cost of the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is so ineffective in our hearts that we are bent on holding unforgiving grudges and bitterness against someone, then we are not a good tree. We are not saved. We don't cherish this forgiveness. We don't trust this forgiveness. We don't embrace and treasure this forgiveness. We are hypocrites. We are just mouthing. We haven't ever felt the piercing joyful wonder that God paid the life of his son. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty powerful, strong statement from uh, John Piper. You know, that's very challenging. That makes us look deep within our hearts. Now, here's my thoughts. Here's Pastor David's thoughts. Christians can wrestle with forgiveness and they can even struggle as they navigate the road towards forgiving other people. Okay? It can be a rough road. It can be a challenging road. It can be a, a, a journey traveling towards forgiving other people. But a Christian will never say, I will never forgive that person. We don't say that. We work towards forgiveness. We work towards healing. We work towards reconciliation. But we never put the nails in the coffin saying, I will never forgive. Now, forgiveness does not mean we don't put up boundaries, okay? You know, that's part of the healing process, part of the restoration process, part of of working towards forgiving other people, okay? I'm not saying it's, it's instant but, we, but we're working towards it. We're, we're moving towards it to where we can say, yes, they are truly forgiven. But boundaries do, do not mean that we don't put up, excuse me, forgiveness does not mean we don't put up boundaries. You can, ready for this? You can forgive someone and put up boundaries so that it doesn't happen again. That's the best thing you can do. 
It doesn't, forgiveness doesn't mean that we're best friends again or we're best buds and we're palling around and we have that same relationship that we had before. No, it doesn't mean that. You can part ways. You can put boundaries in place. You can move on in life. But as far as the bitterness and the anger and the animosity that you have towards that person because of what they did wrong, you let it go. You let it go. And the best way to let it go is to look to the cross and consider how Christ has forgiven you. You can still put up boundaries. You can still put measures in place so that that offense doesn't happen again. But you have to let it go. You have to let it go. Now, this brings up a common question that Christians like to talk about. You know, what does the Bible say about revenge? What does the Bible say about revenge? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 19. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. So we don't pay back. We don't retaliate. When somebody does us wrong, our, it's, it's hard not to. You know, there's a the temptation, man, I want to get them back. They punched me, I want to punch them back. You know, and we have to fight against that temptation and submit ourselves to the Lord and say, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to pay back. As verse 17 says, I'm not going to repay evil for evil, but I'm going to do what's right. And remember, it says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. The world is watching. Moms, dads, leaders, they're watching us to see if we will forgive. You know, our kids are listening in on the conversation. They're seeing what we're doing. And we need to, that's part of our witness. Not, not to say it's not difficult, not to say it's a, a road that you got to travel. It is a road that you got to travel down, depending on the degree of the offense and how bad it is. But we, we have to remember, everyone around us is watching us, and we can't pay back evil for evil. Verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, we're not looking for enemies. We're not looking for enemies. Even people that disagree with us, people that are, have hard hearts towards Christ. Our, our goal is, is to live at peace with them so that we can share the gospel with them and so that we can be a witness to them, to all people. And then he says in verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Keep this in mind. Everything that's said and done, we will have to give an account for, including the people that's, that's offended you or hurt you or done something very grievous and very wrong, God will hold them accountable. And if they're an unbeliever, our hope and prayer is that they repent and put their trust in Jesus and be completely forgiven. But judgment day is coming. Judgment day is coming, and he will hold all people accountable for their deeds, for their forgiveness, for their, if they take revenge, don't take revenge. Scripture says don't. Don't do it. So, um, Christians, believers in Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, we forgive. We forgive. Hopefully, we can forgive on the spot. But if not, we began walking down that road to forgiving and healing and restoration. But we forgive. And also, we don't take revenge. Doesn't mean, you know, you, you know we don't take revenge but you can tell them, hey, what you did to me was wrong, and I don't appreciate that. 
What, you know, calling somebody out for their sin, calling somebody out for how they wronged someone else, no, that's per- perfectly fine and biblical. Do it. Let them know. And hopefully they'll repent. But we don't, we, we forgive and we don't take revenge. All right, let's finish it up. Verse 35, our final verse this morning. Jesus says in verse 35, so my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother, his trespasses. Notice he says in that verse, from his heart. Written 2,000 years ago, is God not the author of Scripture? That's where forgiveness takes place. That's where the greatest forgiveness takes place. It's not with our lips, but in our heart. It's in our heart that we forgive, okay? Man, and I'm going to tell you, man, once you, once you come to that place and you're able to forgive in your heart, it brings wholeness. It brings healing to our lives. You know, because a lot of times when you hold bitterness and you hold anger and you hold resentment over unforgiveness, who are you hurting? Yourself. Yourself. We torment. We torment ourselves. We torment ourselves. You know, as Christians, we love to talk about forgiveness. We sing about forgiveness. And we, we think it's such a beautiful subject up until it's time for us to forgive. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Learning to forgive is part of discipleship. It's not easy. It takes a backbone and it takes spiritual discipline. It's not for the weak at heart. It's not for the faint at heart. It's for those who are following Christ. And they've committed themselves to living for Jesus. You know, that's the strength of a strong relationship with Christ. You're able to forgive. People that are weak and not very strong in their faith, you know, they, they, they'll want to hold on to things. Or the, the offense was so great. Now, there's grace for this second area. People that has been hurt so deeply, there is a road, there is a pathway to healing and forgiveness. And they, hopefully they'll get on that journey. But, but w- the more we understand the gospel and the cross, the more you will be able to forgive. I want to go back to Corey Ten Boom. In 1982, here recently, well, compared to when... The other stuff took place in the 1940s. Um, in 1982, Corey Ten Boom published a book. It was called Clippings from My Notebook. And in it she writes, and I quote to you. This is what Corey Ten Boom wrote in this book. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment in the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and shackles and selfishness. Forgiving others So forgiving others frees you from a bitter and an angry spirit. Now, first off, we should forgive because Christ has commanded us to forgive. And as followers of Christ, we obey Christ. But there's also a benefit. There's a benefit for you in your heart, in your soul, in your mind for forgiveness. It it frees us. It frees us from a bitter and angry spirit. So remember the song we sang? We said, Christ be magnified. Let's let Christ, family, be magnified in our lives through forgiveness and letting people go. Doesn't mean you don't put up boundaries. Doesn't mean you have things you got to work through for the complete healing and complete forgiveness. But never come to a point where you say, I will never forgive that person. 
in their anger, that's not a good place to be. And, you know, if, you, if you've gone there, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to work on your heart and say, Lord, please help me in this area of my life to be forgiving. And then we're obeying, which a, a beautiful New Testament passage the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.32. He says this, in light of the gospel, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is theological truth. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, he switches to application. And in verse 32 of Ephesians 4, he says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So in closing, God has forgiven us. We forgive others. We, we don't reinvent the will. We just follow the master. God, you've forgiven me. You know, you've been so good to me. Help me, Lord, to forgive other people. That is the heart of Christianity. That is the heart of the gospel, that we forgive others. And man, let me tell you something. It serves as a powerful testimony in our witness to Jesus when we forgive. Think about Corey Ten Boom facing the man that was responsible for the murder of her sister. And I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I read the whole article, but she had preached in a church that night on the subject of forgiveness. She had, she had preached the message that night on the subject of forgiveness. And God said, okay, Corey, at the close of service, I'm going to bring this man up to, you know, wow. But that is forgiveness. That is the heart. So my prayer this morning for the body of Christ here and online is that I'm, I'm going to pray for this area that God will cause us to grow in our hearts to forgive others in obedience to Christ. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, we come to you, Lord, in the mighty name of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we've looked at your word this morning and what we've studied is forgiveness. Father, uh, give us a heart by the power of your spirit, by the power of your might working in us. Give us a heart that forgives others. Help us to understand how greatly we offended you in our sin and our rebellion, but in your compassion and mercy, you forgave us. You don't hold it over our heads. You don't remind us of the past. You say it's under the blood, completely forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so you have removed our transgressions. So Lord, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for forgiving us through the cross. And now, Lord, as we move forward today in 2023, help us to be a forgiving people towards others. Not just so that we can forgive, but so that we can forgive and point people to you, the one who forgives sin. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, work. I'm gonna give us just a minute and you pray where you're seated now. You ask God 
to help you, empower you in this area. Maybe somebody or something comes to mind. Bring it to his throne of grace. I'm going to give you a second. Spirit, please work in our hearts. In this moment, this morning, please work in our hearts. We've heard your word. love you. We thank you. Help us all, Lord, not to be hypocrites or unbelieving, but help us to walk out in grace, in truth, in love, in compassion, and be a forgiving people. Lord, if there is anyone here, and I'm sure there are, they've struggled in this area. They've wrestled with this. This has been like the monkey on their back through seasons of their life. I pray, Lord, today that you'll begin to soften their hearts and help them to get on that road, on that path to healing. in our